0: Pastor Ben back another week to uh, prepare you for my message last week we took a week off for the uh, football Sunday the video was posted on our Facebook page so if you'll go there and check that out you should be able to watch it Uh, this week I started a new series called Jedi Jesus talks about some of the cool stuff that Jesus did similar to the way uh, similar to the type of stuff that Jedi did in Star Wars so This week we talk about Jesus walking on the water. You can find the lesson in Mark chapter 6 towards the end of the chapter. I think it starts about verse 45. So sit back, relax, uh, and take a listen. I hope this message is helpful for you. Good morning. Welcome to Claire Church today. I'm glad you're here. And we start a new series today titled Jedi Jesus, the Gospel and the Resistance. Uh, I titled it that because I'm a Star Wars fan and I see a connection between uh, the spirituality that, that we see in Star Wars and the spirituality in the Jedi and the Force and things like that. and And what I've learned and read in the scriptures through the church uh, and in the Bible and things like that. But really, the connection here is Jesus did some pretty cool things. The Jedi did some pretty cool things. They were both kind of leaders of resistance against evil. So there's some good connections there um, in the story. I'm not going to go into depth like that because there may be some people here God forbid, it would break my heart, but there may be some people here who have never seen or care anything about Star Wars. So I'm not going to talk a lot about Star Wars through this whole series, Um, uh, but we are going to talk a lot about Jesus. How does that sound? Does that sound good? Yeah? (laughs) Okay, so we're going to go through a lot of his miracles uh, all the way up through Easter. A few announcements that I've completely forgot about, and honestly, I don't know why they didn't end up in the bulletin. If you're on our email list, please check your emails this week. I will make sure these go out. Um, Wednesday, this week, is Ash Wednesday. If you want to attend Ash Wednesday service, we're going to have it this year at Ebenezer at 6.30 p.m. And if you haven't been to Ebenezer lately, they remodeled their church, the inside of their church, just this last year. So, uh, it would be an excellent time to come and, and check that out and participate in our Ash Wednesday service, 6.30 in the evening at Ebenezer. Uh, that's the start and the beginning of Lent in the church, a time of preparation for Easter. Uh, in addition, as, part, as a way to help you be prepared for Easter, I'm going to be leading a Bible study, and I'm going to do that on Sunday evenings at uh, 6 o'clock. Sunday evening, 6 o'clock, you know, a Bible study on prayer. I'll be ready to go for whoever shows up, all right? I'm not trying to, uh, you know, if 100 people show up, great. If five people show up, if two people show up, it doesn't matter to me. It's Lent, and we're going to focus on Lent and being prepared for Easter. So that's uh, that'll be Sunday nights at, at 6. Here if you can't make it Sunday nights at 6, I'll be doing the same study at Ebenezer on Wednesday evenings at 6.30. So, all right. So here, Sunday nights at 6, Ebenezer, Wednesday at 6.30. That's our Lent Bible study on prayer. Um, And then as we get closer to Holy Week, we'll have another special service leading up to Easter that week. And we'll get the details out about that. Any questions about Lent? All right. Uh, I didn't see anybody writing all that stuff down in their calendar, so (laughs) So write it down in your calendar, Ash Wednesday, 6.30 this week at Ebenezer. All right, one drink, and hopefully this will last me the whole message. All right, here we go. Are you ready? I I talked about this to Rod and Denny on Friday at our little uh, Bible discussion group. I need a little help to pull this off. So, I got my 4th t-shirt. They had these on sale at JCPenney. If you know anything about Star Wars merchandise, you know it's never cheap. So, when it was on sale for five bucks, I had to get me three Star Wars t-shirts. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this before. It's very difficult. Very hard to do. To walk on water. So, I need my concentration, and I need your energy to help me accomplish this. All right? I am going to walk on water. Walk on water. There you go. All that buildup for absolutely nothing. Is anybody thirsty? Would you like a bottle of water? But wouldn't that have been amazing, though, to really see somebody walk across the sea, a body of water like Jesus does in this story? So let's take a look. If you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Mark chapter 6. Maybe uh, part of the reason... Jesus had the strength and the energy and the ability to do that is because he wasn't afraid to take a break and to get some rest and some prayer. Because that's where this story starts. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. The crowd is the people that have just been gathered around. And Jesus has just uh, taken five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people Some scholars think that that means it says 5,000 men, that there may have been women and children with them as well. So at least 5,000 people from five loaves of bread and two fish. And so Jesus says, Disciples, you go ahead, get in the boat, I'll take care of this, don't worry about it, I'll dismiss the crowd. So after he dismisses the crowd, it says, after leaving them, Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. And I think there's a good lesson here for all of us to take in and to realize and to understand that some seasons of life, you're busy. You've got 5,000 people to feed, 5,000 mouths to feed. You've got uh, 5,000 fires to put out. You've got tons of things to do. Everybody asking you questions after you for this and that and the other thing and work and home and husband and whatever, family, kids, one thing after another. Busy, 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 go, 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 go. Jesus had a very similar kind of thing. Go, 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 go. But he also knew how to do something very important, and that's to take a timeout to pause. We think timeout is punishment, not when you're an adult, right? Timeout is a good thing. (laughs) It's time to stop, and he takes time to go up on the mountainside and pray. In fact, I think Jesus did this because he knew that he needed a pattern in his life of taking a break. In fact, if you back up to the beginning of uh, Mark chapter 6, it tells us Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth, and he taught and everything, but they rejected him because they knew the family that Jesus came from. This, this is just a carpenter, they said. Uh, and Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. And so then Jesus uh, sends out the twelve. He pairs, up, he pairs them up two by two, and he sends them out to all of uh, the communities in the area, He gives them special instructions, and they went out and they preached that people should repent, and they drove out many demons and anointed them with, uh, many people with sick, I can't talk, he anointed many people with oil and healed the sick. So, after all that, listen to this, this is Mark chapter 6, verse 30, the apostles came back and they gathered around Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So I think when Jesus says immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat. I think it's building upon that instruction that he had given them before they, so that when they come back from being sent out, he says, get some rest because there's crowds coming, all right? So they go out in the boat to a solitary place. They come back, and there's this huge crowd that Jesus is talking to, and Jesus says, hey, or or the disciples say, hey, they're going to get hungry. Send them back home so they can buy something to eat. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. You just had time to rest. Why didn't you bring some food back with you, right, (laughs) kind of thing? But instead... Jesus says, okay, what do you have? Let's see what we can do here with what we got. And he multiplies the bread and the fish, and he feeds the whole crowd. And then he says again, go get in the boat. And I think it's a build upon you go, 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 go for one season, and you rest, and you take care of yourself for another season. And then you go again, and you rest. And it's like a rhythm of life. Go and rest and pray. In fact, we see it from the very beginning of Scripture. Jesus, uh, or God, uh, the way the story is told of God creating the whole world. It says, on this day, He did that. On the second day, He does this. Third day, He does that. Fourth, fifth, sixth day, He created everything. And then on the seventh day, He says, You know what I'm going to do today? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. I'm not going to produce anything. I'm not going to create anything. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm going to simply rest simply rest. Do you take the time to do that? How many of you have a hard time resting? Because when you finally do find some time to peace and quiet, your brain just won't stop. It just goes and goes and goes and goes, and you're thinking of all the things that you could be doing that you're not doing. Anybody else like that? Find a way to get around that. Get a little notepad. Start writing things down. You know, you can let your mind go, but eventually get in tune with the rhythm Of rest breathe in breathe out slow down and take that time to pray and take care of yourself take care of you see we live in a culture we live in a culture a wonderful culture of of pioneering of independent spirit of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and work hard and you can get what you want and what you dream for and work and work and work and work and 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 Let me tell you, you'll have time to sleep when you die. That's what our culture teaches us. That's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that there is a regular rhythm of rest that you should have in your life to take care of yourself. So that when the crowds come, when the 5,000 mouths to feed show up, so when it is time to go, you're ready to go. I guess that drink didn't last very long. All right. So a rhythm of rest. Jesus gives us an example. So after leaving the disciples, after dismissing the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. Now, we know from the story of the five loaves and fishes that it was already getting late in the day. The disciples say, hey, hey, it's getting late in the day. We should send these people home so they could eat. They're going to be getting hungry. So we already know that it was somewhat late in the day. And here it says, when evening came. Other translations say, when dusk came, or as the sun was setting, as it was getting dark, uh, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. Okay? He saw the disciples straining at the oars Because the wind was against them. Alright, so are you getting the picture in your mind? He sends the disciples out on the boat. He stays behind. He goes up on the mountain to pray. It starts to get dark. Jesus looks out. He sees the boat in the middle of the lake. And they're struggling against the wind with the oars. And look at what Jesus does. The next phrase, it says, About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them. So at dusk, As it starts to get dark, Jesus sees them struggling, and he doesn't do anything. He goes, and he must rest some more or something. We don't know exactly. He waits until this says the fourth watch of the night. One translation I read said that was 4 a.m. in the morning. One translation I said that was early in the morning. One said as the sun was coming up or at dawn. So there's this time when Jesus can see the boat, And he can see them struggling with the oars against the wind. And instead of rushing to them, he steps back and rests some more. Think about that for a second. Think about that. Jesus is not the helicopter parent, is he? He's letting them struggle against the wind. I think there's a lesson in that there for us as well. That sometimes it's in the struggle that develops our character. That develops us, that helps us grow, that leads us to new understandings that we wouldn't have had if we had avoided the struggle instead. You know, parents learn this about their kids that sometimes you gotta let them fall down, right? Sometimes you gotta let them learn the hard lessons. I think that's here for us. As a, a runner who has run marathons, half marathons, and I'll, I'll do long runs in my training life, there are a lot of times when I would rather run uphill or into the wind, so that I have some kind of resistance pushing against me. Because if it was just flat, or even if it was downhill, it would feel like it was even harder. Because if it's just simply flat, and there's no wind, then I get lazy. I think like it's too easy and too smooth, and it almost seems harder than what it should be. And running downhill, if you've ever tried to run downhill, you know that you spend a lot of your energy trying to slow yourself down. But when I'm running uphill and when I'm running into the wind, it's like it's strengthening me. In fact, the worse the weather is, a lot of times I want to run in the worst weather possible. Why? Because I know if I'm out running in it and I'm tough enough to mentally and physically go through that, then I can go through anything. Whatever I'm going to face on race day. Are you hearing me? I think there's a lesson in here about a struggle. That sometimes there's a lesson for us to learn in the midst of the struggle. And look at what happens. So he waits until early in the morning and he goes out to them walking on the lake. Listen to this. He was about to pass them by. He was about to pass by them. He wasn't even going to help them. He was going to just go and wait on the other side for them to get through the struggle. That there was something he wanted them to learn and to understand. So he's walking along. He's about to go pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought that he was a ghost. They thought that he was a ghost, so they all get scared and terrified <laughs> and they cry out to him. So immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Think about that for a second. The disciples struggling, struggling, struggling against the wind, using the oars. They see Jesus and they're like, Uh oh, you know, this is kind of scary. We're already working against the wind. Now there's a ghost. What is going on here? And they're all terrified. And they cry out. They cry out. And Jesus says, don't worry. It's me. You see, I wonder if the lesson that they needed to learn was to be able to recognize God in the midst of their struggle to be able to see and recognize who Jesus Christ is in the midst of their struggle. Here's the other thing. As they're struggling along and they stop and they cry out because they're terrified, how many of us never cry out? That somehow we think we got to go through this struggle all alone, all by ourselves, with no help, (coughs) wondering what's going to happen next, what could possibly happen next? What could be on the other side of this? We don't know. We just know that we've got to keep struggling and struggling and struggling. And never cry out because we've got to carry that burden for some way, for some reason. And yet Jesus comes to them and says, it's me. It's not a ghost. It's me. Don't you recognize me? Take courage. Don't be afraid. See, for some of us, in the midst of struggle, we just need to stop and cry out and have the assurance that God is right there if you recognize him. And Listen to what it says. Immediately he spoke to them and he said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Do you know how many times that type of phrase is in the scripture? Numerous times. It seems like God is always saying that kind of message to his people, take courage, don't be afraid, it's me. I'm with you, I'm here. And then Jesus climbed into the boat with them. The wind died down, and they were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Think about that for a second. This is the 12 disciples. This isn't just some anonymous, random Joe members of the crowd. This is the 12 disciples, the ones that Jesus said to them by name, Hey, Peter, come follow me. Hey, Levi, come follow me. Hey, Nathaniel, come follow me. Hey, you know, every single one. He had called them around as like his most studious students right there in front of him to follow him and learn from him. These are the same 12 that he paired up and sit them out to the villages to proclaim and tell people, hey, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near, God is here, Jesus is here, the Messiah is here, repent, believe the good news. And they anointed and they healed the sick. And they cast out evil spirits. This same 12, after that, says, and they did not understand about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. Now, what does that mean to have a hardened heart? When I think of it, I think of Pharaoh. You Remember back in Exodus? Maybe you saw the movie The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And you remember it says that the Pharaoh's heart was hardened, that Moses went to say, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he wouldn't let them go. And so God sent signs, ten plagues, and the first one, and still... Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he wouldn't let them go. And the second one, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he wouldn't let them go. A third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth, a a seventh, eight, nine, finally, the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn son. And Pharaoh says, all right, that hurt. (laughs) And he lets the people go. But then his heart is hardened again and he chases after them. And a lot of us, we think of Man, how are the kids doing it these days? Like this? We think of the heart. We think of Valentine's Day. We think of feelings and affection. I know a lot of you have your Valentine's Day hearts on. Thank you, Beth, for uh, having those for us. Uh, and we think of feelings. Good, usually good feelings associated with that, right? Uh, but in the Bible, it, ha- it talks more generally about the heart is your interior life. Like, I was reading a note on the Psalms about when it talks about the heart, that it's the place where decisions are made. Now, when we think about decisions, where do we put those? We think about our head, right? So there was some sense of their interior life, their head and their heart, their affections and their feelings and their thinking ability that was hardened, that they couldn't understand. I couldn't recognize who Jesus really was yet. In what ways is my heart hardened where I can't see Jesus yet? What parts of my life are there where I can't see Jesus yet? In whose lives are the people around me where I can't see Jesus yet? I mean, think about the disciples. They had seen healings. They had just seen him multiply five loaves of bread to feed 5,000 men. They had just seen that happen, and they still can't recognize who Jesus is. That's a big question for you to answer. For you to answer to, not to me, not to the church. But for you to answer to God, who is Jesus Christ? Do you see him? Do you recognize him? The Messiah, the son of the living God, the Savior, the living Lord. Do you recognize him? Do you see him? Midst of struggle, in the midst of pain, in the midst of a fear of an unknown of what's next, do you see? Do you see? And how many of us notice that the disciples get sent out two by two, even though they don't understand? Are you hearing that? Are you hearing that? See, a lot of folks think that before they can serve God, they have to understand everything. Before they can teach this or that or be a part of this or that ministry or this or that, sure, there's faith that needs to be there. Sure, there's some kind of of, uh, training and equipping that needs to happen. But you don't have to have it all figured out first before you can serve God. You don't have to have it all figured out first before God can call you. You don't have to have it all figured out first before God can send you. In another telling of this story of Jesus walking on the water, Peter sees Jesus and Jesus, and Peter says to Jesus, hey, can I join you? And Peter steps out of the boat and begins taking a risk to step out onto the water. Because if you're You may have heard it before. I think there's a book by this title. If you're going to walk on water, you have to step out of the boat. See, there is some risk that God is calling you to take to serve Him. And you're holding yourself back. You're saying, well, I don't quite understand enough yet. I don't quite know enough yet. I'm not sure that it's the right time. I'm struggling through too much yet. But Jesus is already right there for you to see Him and to recognize Him to help you take that risk and that step? Will you answer and step out in faith? Pray with me. Holy God, we thank you for the teaching of your scripture and your word. The story about Jesus Walking on the water is one that we need to hear today. God, we need our faith encouraged because, God, we are struggling against the wind. God, will you enter into our lives just as Jesus walked on the water? He didn't let that stop him. He made a way to get to the other side. Will you enter into our lives, God? To assure us of your presence through the struggle. To walk with us and help us take that scary step, that risk to serve you. God, help us to learn whatever lesson it is that you have for us. For some of us, it's to learn that rhythm of rest. For some of us, it's something you've asked us to surrender or lay down. Some unwritten rule or regulation or expectation that's a barrier and a block between us, where we are now, and who you want us to be and become. Help us to surrender that to you and name it before you. For some of us, God, it's simply breathing in deeply the assurance of your presence. For some of us, God, it's to answer that question for the first time to say, God, you are the Lord and Savior. For some of us, it's to answer that question again of who you are and to be have a faith reignited and renewed within us. Melt our hearts, God. Soften our hearts. Help us to grow in understanding and knowledge of you and your love. We recommit ourselves to you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.